Well, welcome everybody. Welcome to Pillar. I know some of we see some new faces today. It's been good to be able to see some some some, some old faces, some some faces that are here. Woo! That are going to show me some love. I'm just going to kind of move around here. Maybe I'll move back here, so we get the the feedback. Okay. You good, Titus? You good? Okay. Well, welcome, guys. Again, welcome. My name is Armando Aguilar. Uh, I've been a member here for about a. Uh, I'm going to say a year, but don't quote me on that, uh, with my wife, Rebecca, and my two kids, Titus and Roman. And so just real glad, real glad to be able to be here. Uh, just appreciate every, everybody who's come out to be able to not only support, support me, and, me and today. I know that we've got some new faces that are here to support, support this, but uh, yeah, just really appreciate all the love I've received over this last week of being able to prepare for today. I hope it's profitable for you, for that you come out just loving Jesus more, that you would get two things. One of two things I hope would come out of today. I hope that you'd come out with either conviction in Jesus, that you'd walk out with, with conviction, that you'd walk out and you'd say, I need more of Jesus today and tomorrow and this week, or that you would come out with joy, and that you'd come out with, with a joy that, that's, that's different from happiness in a way that happiness is temporal. Joy can happen during sadness. And so this is something that we want as you walk out of here, two things. We hope, I hope, that conviction would lead to joy. And so that's what we're hoping for today. Colossians 1 is where we're at today. Colossians 1, verses 15 to 20. That's where we're going to rest in today. I'm just going to have this up the whole time uh, while, while, while we're here. Uh, so yeah, appreciate that. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for, for your word. May, may this be a word that we, uh, we come to grow and love and, 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 and perhaps cherish. May, may, may you convict us with, by your spirit to be able to to, to do your work, to be able to see and expose sin in our life that we need to just be able to, to get rid of and, and realizing that by loving you and trusting in you, that, that, that through the Holy Spirit, sin is no longer irresistible. That we can, we can now resist sin by the power of your Spirit and live a life that is, that, that is worthy of praise and honor to you, God, to you, Jesus, our Savior and Lord. So thank you, Lord. May, tonight be, may today be helpful to you. Uh, may you get all the honor and glory and praise, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, when you guys think of a word cherish, when you think of the word cherish, what, is, what, what immediately comes to mind when you think of the word, the word cherish? What comes to mind? What I'm, what I'm referring to is, is, is holding dear or, or caring for, we should say. It could be a, it could be a place or, or it could be a thing. Maybe a special location that, that, that brings you peace. Maybe an old photo or, or an award that you may have earned. For, for me, it's a couple of things. When I think of that, I think of a few things. I think of Victoria, British Columbia in Canada. Uh, I, this is where Rebecca and I went on our honeymoon and I hold that as a, as a dear place for us where we found a lot of rest and a lot of peace and joy and hope. For me, it's also an area called Zuma Beach, California which is just south of Malibu, and I would take, when I was in college, I'm from Southern California, by the way, and so it, it, when I was in college, I would take uh, day trips, and I would go out to Zuma Beach, and I would walk, I would walk south, there was a populated beach, I'd walk south until I couldn't see anybody, until it was about 50 feet of, 50 feet of sand, and then the ocean, and then another 50 feet, and then you have these cliffs that are super high to where all the famous people live up there, and you can almost say hi to them, but it was an isolated place that I was able to just just be with the Lord. I had my lunch and my Bible and I had some notes and it was always a good day to be able to go out there. 
So these are the times that you cherish. So, so, so where, where is it for you? Maybe, perhaps it's a person that you cherish. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a dear friend. Maybe it's a mentor. Maybe it's your wife or your husband. Maybe it's your child or, or, or your children. Maybe it's someone who's passed away. We go to great lengths for the ones that we cherish. If we consider it long enough, perhaps God can be in that category. Perhaps God can be on that list because we serve such a good God that we love and hopefully we cherish. This is really, there really is nothing better than waking up in the morning and, and knowing that God is waiting to talk to you and teach you and ready to be rested upon. Such a good God. If we knew the immeasurable and incomprehensible attributes and ways of God, I believe it would crush us if we attempted to understand. But he gave us things. He gave us people. He gave us a church. And I think one of the one that is as important is that he gave us his word. He gave us his word. And you know what? He gave us his word when he didn't have to. Inspired by sinful people and authored by Trinity himself. God the Holy Spirit to make Jesus famous throughout the earth where God our Father brings peace. This text is a treasure to us. Treasures can be stored in isolated places away from people or it could be in fancy museums where, where you have to travel long distances to see. But this, God's Word, is the greatest treasure the world has ever seen. And you don't need to travel across the world to see it. You don't need to travel across the world to see this beauty and majesty. It's here. It's with us. It's with us today. And so may this time challenge us to see God in perhaps a fresh way, a convicting way, a joyful way, that the study of God, that the pondering and serving and worship of God as we consider Jesus be prioritized in the same category as breathing. If you're being drawn away from the faith, if you're being persuaded by other things, if those Hebrew Israelites over there at QT over on Brentwood Stair, if they're making some persuasive points, or, or, or maybe you're just trying to survive. You're just trying to survive this world. Maybe some of you are asking, well, how, how am I going to pay rent this week? Maybe some of you guys are, are, are wondering, man, are they going to take my car away this week? For, for some, I know it's that, man, the, the, the police are getting real rough with me right now. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. Maybe some of you have come here crumbling. Maybe some of you have come and, and realized, maybe, man, my, my marriage is crumbling. Maybe some have said, my, my, my son is sick. Maybe you've come and said that my husband, my wife, my, my loved one here has cancer. Come here to the presence of God through his word. What we need is to consider, to think about a crucified, risen, and exalted redeemer and be overwhelmed at the vastness of Jesus, at the excellence of Jesus, at the greatness of Jesus, at the preeminence of Jesus. Be overwhelmed as Paul did 
as he wrote to the Colossians. Be overwhelmed as he did. Now, if we understand something, that Paul's fellowship with Jesus was very different than the apostles. If you guys remember, the, the apostles actually walked with Jesus. Some of them were able to, to, have, to actually be able to eat meals and, and commune with Jesus in a, in a very physical way, and Paul wasn't that way. He came after Jesus' death, but Paul's desire was still to give this vision of the greatness of Jesus so we can worship Jesus fully. And that full worship, as we, as we consider and worship the Lord, would, would include responding to him in a life that puts our king on display to our circles around us. But, unfortunately, I fear that we are too easily underwhelmed by Jesus. Almost like Jesus hasn't done enough for you. If you so if you feel underwhelmed today, let me remind you of who penned these words. This is the same author of Galatians that we've been going through. This is the Apostle Paul. And he's writing here. Anybody know where he's writing from? Anybody want to take a guess where he's writing from? Yeah, who said that? Prison. Where are you at? Where are you at? Right here. He's, he's in prison, right? He's in shackles. This isn't like three meals a day with outside time kind of place. This is the pen. This is prison. And yet, his priority was not, get me out of prison. Come on, guys, I need you to get me out. I need to lawyer up. I need to uh, get me out. His, his posture wasn't wondering why he was wronged and why he's in jail and all the injustice that was poured upon him. That wasn't his priority. His priority was the glory of God. That was his priority by writing letters to churches. And in this case, as what we're going to see here, to a group, into a town in Colossae, to the people that are called the Colossians. And believe it or not, this is written to a group that he's never seen or met before. He didn't even plant this church. One of his boys planted it. Someone that heard Paul, heard the good news, got saved, decided to go and plant a church. And today you have the book of Colossians that Paul is writing to today. And yet they share more in common than perhaps Paul's own native people. Could that be the same for us? That, that if you consider me your brother, if, you, if we share in the same inheritance, if we share in the same salvation that comes through the finished work of Jesus, then we are a family that will dwell with our Savior both in this life and in the eternal life that is to come. The Christians in Colossae needed this type of familial fellowship because they faced opposition. They, they needed the great news. They, they needed the greatest declaration in the history of the world. Think about that. Think about that for a second. Think of the, the, the best news you could ever hear, ever. Think of the history of time. Think of all the history classes that you've taken. Think of all the conquerors. Think of, think, of, think of all of those people. Think of COVID even today and all the issues that are happening today. This is the, one of the greatest, if not the, I won't say that. I'll be more definitive. It is the greatest declaration of all time. This is vast. I've been around a few decades, got some miles. I don't have as many miles as some, but you know, one thing that, that, that I've learned is that we are in a world of uncertainty. That yesterday it was this issue, 
Today it's this issue, tomorrow it's going to be that issue, and more often than not, a year from now or a, or a generation from now, it's going to be another issue. And, and we as believers in Jesus are going to face opposition similar to what the Colossians faced. God knows our opposition. God knows where we're at. God knows where they were and their, and their opposition. And they and God will give his people exactly what they need. And so here we are. Step in with me. Step in with me into Colossae. Step in with me back in history. Back in one of the greatest parts of, of, of human history. To where you have Paul in shackles. And he's beginning to write this in a similar way as writing poetry. A similar way as writing a song. This is meant to be read similar to a song. And so as we consider this, as we read these words, these beautiful, amazing words, we're going to look at a couple of things. One thing that you're going to notice is that there's no commands here. They're not, Bible's, Paul's not telling you to do anything. What he is, what he is though, is he's, he's declaring a few things. He's giving you some indicatives is what we call them. We're going to learn more about God in this way. So, like we do, when we, when we, just like we sing a song, if you guys would all stand with me, if you guys can all stand if you're able, and we're going to read poetry. We're going to read poetry and a hymn to God, declaring about who God is and the vastness and the greatness and the preeminence of Jesus, and cherish the Son of God, to whom this is written about. He is the image of the invisible God. Anytime you see the word he or him, anytime you see those words, he's referring to Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through this blood shed on the cross. You guys can have a seat. Man, we are, we are unworthy. We are so unworthy of these words. That, that, that a shackled man in prison could write these words. You know what, I'm willing to bet, if you're in prison, you're, if you're in prison and you got shackles and chains, and I'm willing to bet that restless nights were often. And I'm willing to bet that it was, it was very difficult to sleep, especially when injustice is happening to you. But I'm willing to bet, I'm just going to step away here, I'm going to step away from the text and just enter into, enter into what's happening here with Paul. I'm wondering that as, as, he, as he was considering these words and he was pondering and, and even worshiping God prior to penning these words, I'm wondering if he slept well that night. I'm wondering. We don't know much about the gods that were, that were worshipped here in Colossae. And as we step into to Colossian life, 
One thing that we do know in history is that we have at least one God. We have at least one lowercase God. We have the God that, that is, if, if you want to imagine this with me, a God that is a statue that, that was recently excavated in Colossae that was in the form of a falcon. To where the right eye was the sun and the left eye was the moon. Now let me put this into context. The, 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 the right eye was considered morning and the left eye was considered evening. And so you have this image in the form of the falcon where the right eye represented power. And the left eye represented healing, just like you would at night when you go to bed and you heal. And so this was often the case to where in Colossian life, statues and even currency often contained these types of imagery, like Caesar and Artemis and other gods of that time. And so put it into context, there was actually wisdom that was gained by knowing or worshiping these gods. That they were a part of actual Colossian life. That these invisible gods actually dwelled or lived in these cities. Almost as much as people lived in these cities, in these communities. They believed in residents that were visible and invisible. And worshiping these gods even kept peace in these towns. That these invisible gods led to explain even natural occurrences like, like famine or weather or fire or even disease. So when Paul comes on the scene and his boy Epaphras comes on the scene in, Col in Colossae, where Paul writes about another god, an invisible god, become visible, it begins to disrupt normal Colossian life. They begin to blame Christians for disrupting life, angering their gods. And Christians are soon to be blamed for natural disasters. Well, why is the weather so bad? Why aren't my crops showing? I, I, I'm worshiping the right God. Well, it's these Christians. They're worshiping someone else. They're worshiping something else. They're blamed for disrupting peace, and soon life becomes dangerous. By reading about and hearing these words and even believing in Jesus. So word is going out that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That there is one who truly expresses God, that represents God, that, that, that manifests God, that is God in the flesh. These are radical statements that Paul is saying about Jesus. If you want to know what God is like, here's what Paul's saying. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Now wait a minute. In our day, that might not be controversial, you might be like, all right, I'm going to go to the next church then. But in this day, this was controversial as all can be. And if I want to see God, I need to look at Jesus. There was one person in the text. There's multiple, but I'm going to give you one example. In John 14, there's a guy named Philip. A guy named Philip in John 14. And this is where we get our famous verse in John 14, where Jesus, Jesus declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And immediately after that, you got a dude named Philip. You got a dude named Philip that's questioning this. Jesus is declaring himself God, and Philip is coming up and saying, Wait a minute, Lord, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. Jesus' answer, his amazing answer, he tells him, He goes, Philip, have I, have I been among you all this time, and you don't know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. 
I love H.B. Charles' summary of this answer where he says, Philip, what you are looking for, you are looking at. The Father has been made known through Jesus. Now we have these verses 16 to 18. And if you guys have ever, let me, let, me, let me back up for a minute. If you guys, any of us video game folks here? Any of us, any, I see, see we, got, we got some kids in here. I just got their attention, I think. We got some video game fans in here, right? Yeah, Jaden, his hand's like up, like way up right here. I love that. Love that. Good job, Jaden. If you guys ever had a video game and then all of a sudden, like, like you're done with it and you're, you're almost going to put it on the shelf or put it, and I guess not on the shelf anymore. I guess it's going to be in, on a hard drive, but uh, yeah. And then maybe a few months later or something like that, they come out with the expansion pack. Or they come out, I think today they'll call it a DLC or downloadable content, something like that. For me, it's, it, was, it, was when I watched, um, it was when I watched Lord of the Rings. And, and you've got like a, that long three-hour movie. And then I, I enjoyed it. I love, I love Lord of the Rings. And then they came out with that expanded edition. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Anybody, know, anybody in my generation know what I'm talking about? Yeah, if you don't, that's all good. I'm just going to keep going with it. Just going to keep going with it. You got, the, you, got, you got the extended edition that was like five hours long, but it went more deep into, into some of the characters of, of the story that's there. And if you wanted to go even farther, you can read the books that, that went into more detail into some of these characters. And all of a sudden, this movie, you're like, oh, yeah, I know the backstory of this. I know where we're at. Think of verses 16, 17, and 18 as that expansion pack of Genesis 1-1 that says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? God created the heavens and the earth. We're about to see that being unpacked even more in verses 16 through 18. He says this in verse 16, for everything was created by him. Who do we say him was? Jesus, right? Everything was created by him in heaven and on earth. The visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, you ready for this, have been created through him and for him. Who's the him? Yeah, yeah, all right, all right, we're here, we're here. Before, he is before all things, and by him all things hold together. Who holds all things together? Yes, right. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. Who's the beginning? Yes, right. The firstborn among the dead, so he might come have first place in everything. We're expanding this more. In Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Paul is setting Jesus before us as a divine savior who created the world. Jesus created the world and he sustains the world. Typically, what you see is that if you see somebody who started a company, you see all these startups, you see these men who become billionaires, and typically a few years later, they get ousted because they can't really sustain the organization or the business, and they got to bring somebody in to continue on with that organization. Typically, we see the one who created something is unable to sustain it. What we're seeing here is we're seeing that Jesus is the creator and is the sustainer. And so in Hebrews, it talks about this idea of Jesus as being not only the author, but the finisher of our faith, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Jesus created the world and he sustains the world. 
But we're not done. He also predates the world. He is before all things. That that crew that's over by QT, they got some issues with that. They got some issues with this idea that Jesus always was. Before things were, Jesus was. In John 8, we see, let me picture this. I'm going to set a scene here, another one. In John 8, we've got Jesus and we've got a group of Jewish men, unbelieving men that don't believe in Jesus. And they're taking offense at some of the things that Jesus is saying. Now, what are they, what are they being offended by? They're being offended by the fact that Jesus is talking, the, the, subject, the matter, subject of matter is Abraham. Subject matters Abraham in the fact that, that he passed away centuries ago. And they're taking offense at Jesus in the fact that he's, Jesus is talking about Abraham like he knew him. Like he knew him intimately or personally by name. Even though Abraham died centuries ago. I mean, who does that? I love Jesus' beautiful response in John 8, where it says, Truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is the head. Jesus is the head. Without, Without the head, we are lost. He's the head of what? He's the head of the church. He's the head of the church. The firstborn among the dead. This isn't back in the day. They revered, they revered Abraham. And here comes Jesus coming in and being able to say, before, I, before Abraham was, I am. This isn't about rank. This is, I'm sorry, this isn't about chronology. This is about rank. This is about significance. Before Jesus, you had accounts of people rising from the dead. You have Jairus' daughter. You have Lazarus. You've got people that have that have physically risen from the dead. But you know what happened to them? They all died again. That's right, Lee. They all died again. They showed their humanity in death. They didn't physically rise from the grave permanently. Before Jesus, all you had was resuscitations. Jesus is the first resurrection. Then and only then can you see Jesus as vast, as great, as preeminent. You can say with confidence that Jesus is the goat. Jesus, that's, hey, hey, here we go, here we go. I almost, I want to amen that, but, I, you know, yeah. Yeah, MJ. All right, here we go. <laughs> you know the word confidence? It comes, from, it comes from two Latin words. It comes from the word con and comes from the word fide. Con means with. Fide means faith. We can say with all confidence that Jesus is preeminent. He is superior above all things. That's what I mean by that. That this is God in the flesh. And if he holds all things together and he sustains all things, then the only reason you and I can take our next breath is because Jesus holds all things together. And verse 20. Verse 20 gives us our why. 
Why? Why is Jesus the image of the invisible God? Why were all things created through Jesus and for Jesus? Why is Jesus created? Why is Jesus before all things? Why is Jesus the head of the church? And why was the Father pleased to dwell in the Son in verse 19, verse 20? To reconcile. To reconcile. Reconcile what? Reconcile who? Everything to himself. Wow. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood, Jesus' blood, through the cross, shed on the cross. God has resolved the stronghold between himself and his people. God has resolved the stronghold that is sin. You know, the result of this vertical reconciliation, the result of us being made right with God, Pastor Canaan says it well, the result of God putting his righteousness on us and in turn all that we can give him is, is our crappy sin. That, that what we call this the great exchange to where God puts his righteousness onto us and we put our sin onto Jesus. The result of that vertical reconciliation is a horizontal reconciliation between one another. Where there was war, where there was strife, where there was anguish and anger towards one another, there's now peace. Only through Jesus can something like hatred be eliminated. But sin is powerful. So powerful that it would kill us. It will kill us one day. It will. The worst, that's the worst thing that sin can do, is kill us here on earth. But Jesus removed the power of sin by conquering death and rising from the grave. This is the gospel. Con, fide. The gospel brings confidence for an eternal future. This gospel is an announcement. It's an announcement. It's a proclamation. It's a proclamation that should not be reduced to persuasiveness or even the conviction of a messenger. No. The gospel stands alone. This is the good news. You ready? You ready? This is the good news. That Jesus Christ came to earth. That he lived a perfect life. That he satisfied the law that Canaan's been talking about recently. But yet, being perfect, he was betrayed. He was betrayed and even experienced injustice through brutality. And ultimately was murdered on a cross by the hands of sinful people. In his death, though, in this death, Jesus took our sin. In his death, he did not accept Jesus did not accept death. He was raised from the grave, removing our sin, giving us the Holy Spirit, giving us redemption. In his death then comes life to those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. Eternity with Jesus awaits for those who trust him as Savior. So I have a question I want to ask. Will you cherish this? Will you cherish Jesus? 
Maybe will you cherish Jesus today for the first time? You know, last night I was, I was going through this, going through some of my notes, and I was debating whether or not to, to discuss this because it's very personal, especially to some of the folks here in the room. And I don't mean any disrespect to this about this, but, um, you know, about 15 years ago, about 15 years ago, my uncle passed away. I've got some family in the room, and their, their uncle, my mom's in the room, her brother passed away. Um, you know, and, and, and I don't want to paint a bad, a bad light in him, but he, has, he had his struggles. He had his struggles. Addiction came on him. And he would, I would come visit my grandmother who he lived with, and, and I would see him often, say about maybe once every month, sometimes every other month. And I would see him, and one thing he would ask me to do is, is to, to, to go to the liquor store. And he would ask me to, he would ask me to, to go to the liquor store and do that. I, I'm not sure why he wasn't welcome there. Um, but after several times, I still don't know why I, I accepted this, but I went ahead and said that. I said, okay, Uncle, well, we'll, we'll go. Um, and we'll go, but here's something that we're going to do. Is that I'm going I'm to share the gospel with you. We're going to go. We're going to do this. We're going to do it all the way. And so we're driving with him. I'm driving with him over there, and, and I'm sharing with him the good news of the gospel, that Jesus Christ lived the perfect life, satisfied the law, betrayed, experienced that injustice, was able to rise from the grave, and that he needs to repent of his sins and come to Jesus. And I did that multiple times with him. Over several times, I've gone back and forth with him on that. And finally... I don't know, maybe, I want to say maybe six, seven, or eight months later, or something like that. He finally looks at me, and, and he, says, he says to me, he says to me, you know what? It's too late for me. That's what he said. He said, it's too late for me. You've got, you're young, you have your life ahead of you. It's too late for me. And in, in my somewhat argumentative way, I'm like, no, uncle, no, today is the day to do that. And so fast forward two or three years later, I get a call saying that he, had, he was in the hospital. And I come on the scene, and I'm there for, for several hours, and my brother comes. And we're both sitting there. I'm on the left. He's on the right. We, we're holding his hand, and he's, not, he's coming out of surgery, but he's not moving. And, and I pray with him. My brother prays with him, and we are, we're, we're holding hands with him and, and, and hoping that he's hearing that, what we're saying about who Jesus is. And, and all of a sudden, we, we, I, we, I, have, I was there for hours and never saw him move. And then all of a sudden, when, I, when I'm praying with him, all of a sudden, we, we, feel, a, we feel a jolt. And I remember, I was like, Luis, did you see that? Did you hear that? Did you feel that? We're like, okay, uh, okay, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened after that day. I don't know. Do not wait until that moment. Do not wait. Do not wait until that time. I remember falling on the ground with my roommates when I heard that he had passed. And I was like, man... We, we don't take enough urgency with this gospel. There, there's, there's, there, we, we don't have enough. I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure if it's fear of what the other person might think. That, 
and I'm preaching to myself here that maybe I might lose my job because of this. But let's not wait. And I would almost plead with you guys to not wait. That if you need to get right with God, today can be the day that you can do that. Right now. Don't wait until the hospital bed. I had a cousin say that. I go, just wait until I'm older and we'll talk about it. Grace can be given to you. Forgiveness can be given to you. And then peace. Finally. Finally. For some of us, finally, peace can be experienced. You can rest in Jesus. You can put aside the old self. You can find rest in the one who has conquered salvation on your behalf. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you. We, we thank you that you are magnificent, that, that you are vast and, and great. We, we praise you for your excellence of creating the world. We, we thank you for your excellence in, in looking at us and calling us sons and daughters of God. We thank you, Jesus, for, for, for being the one that not only creates the world and creates us, but also sustains the world and sustains us. And so if you've brought us here to now, if you've brought us here to now safe and sound, may we have hope for a future that you will do that for the rest of our lives. So thank you, Lord. Let us rest in you like we never have before. And let us experience that peace that only you can provide for us. Thank you, Jesus. May we leave this room ready to worship you, to be convicted by who you are, to repent of our sins, and to be able to move forward in East Fort Worth and let Jesus be known throughout here. But may, we, may we take zero credit for it. May you get all the credit and the glory for all the work that you are going to do. And thank you, Lord, that we get to be your participants, that we get to be in the stadium and to be able to see your work. Thank you, Lord. We bow at your feet. We acknowledge you as Savior and as Lord, as the King of our lives. Convict us of sin. Help us to, to lean on one another when, it, when we struggle and we hurt and, and, and when we forget you. May we be reminded that Jesus is Lord, that, that, you can be comfort, that you can comfort us in a way that none of us can. And so thank you, Lord. May you use Pillar in a mighty way here. Thank you, Lord, for always letting us wake up in the morning and be here. What a gift it is to be able to worship you in this way. Thank you, Jesus. It is in your name we pray. Amen.